Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Back to a Celtic state of mind. I am Paul John Dykes. I'm joined by John Hughes and James McKenzie. James will be with us very, very shortly. He's just fixing his hair, John. Um, loads <laughs> to talk about. Loads to talk about. It's a tr- we're really at that 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 worrying, apprehensive bit of the transfer window. John, I'm, I'm looking at social media every day, not for links, not for speculation, but just to see how Celtic fans are, are dealing with us. And there's a lot of kind of frustrations at the moment, isn't there? Well, yeah, that's putting it mildly. Um, I'd say that after the game, I, I was really quite uh, taken aback by um, the level of vitriol directed at uh, Brendan Rodgers in terms of get him out. Now, after three games, you know, a handful of games, but I did not expect to see that. Uh, and it just shows you uh, he has no goodwill if he is no. not successful here quickly, he doesn't have any goodwill. He doesn't have any patience. There's a very significant minority, if not majority, of fans who are, are just get no time for him. And, um, and essentially, unless he's bringing success, he will not be tolerated by the fans. Now, that doesn't make any difference to the board. As we saw during uh, Lennon's tenure, they couldn't care less what the fans think. They'll carry on regardless. But I, was, I will have to say I was surprised at how uh, really widespread and sort of aggressive the tone was um, against them. But, you know, to, uh, and I'm not saying that your people aren't entitled to those views because they are, uh, we know that the history of them, they're entitled to their views, uh, free speech and all that, and I'm not going to tell anyone what makes a supporter. Uh, the same thing with the booing and all the rest of it. Uh, you know, I, again, it's not something we've done traditionally. But if people feel... You know, that is the an appropriate way for them to respond. Then that's up to them, unless the rest of the crowd shout them down. Uh, and, you know, that, that's not really going to happen, I don't think. Um, so, but right now we are in, I mean, I don't know how to feel uh, at, the mo- at the moment, because I'm, like everyone else, I'm moving wildly, oscillating wildly between positive and negative. And as of today, this is a sort of sliding doors moment now. Mm, yeah. Starting, starting from tonight, this has the the possibility of, you know, we go to very, very different directions uh, for this season. Um, you know, uh, if they win tonight and they get the Champions League money, they pick up some more players, 
and then we can have real problems. If we uh, if they don't, then they don't pick up any more players, um, and potentially that gives up the, the upper hand in the, in the long term. Uh, there's a Champions League draw tomorrow. God knows what that could be, uh, and we've got the game uh, on Sunday. Uh, don't know how, how that's going to fare. Uh, so. You know, if you look at it all positively, obviously the transfer window closing on Friday as well, which is massive. And um, this is going to be quite a ride for the next few days, quite a ride. Listen, see this time next week, John, where we all get together. There are there are going to be so many aspects of what you've just discussed. And uh, obviously there will be discussion points next Wednesday. But like you say, it could go either way. It really could. It could go either way. We're on a knife edge at the moment. Um, James, there's quite a few points I want to pick up there from, from John, and there's loads more to talk about. We're going to be having a wee chat about the Champions League draw. Uh, you're going to be covering that on the blog uh, you know, or later on today, actually, James, and tomorrow as well. You're also going to be going to the Celtic story uh, for a little bit of culture there, James, and you'll be writing up about that as well. One of your, your many assignments uh, in the Axom team. Now, Talking of Brennan Rogers being on a short leash, right? I, I kind of knew he would would be because of the reaction. No, in fact, let's rewind. Not because of the reaction, because of the way he left the club. Um, if he was ever going to come back, and to be honest with you, I had my doubts that it would ever happen. Um, I am in the camp of uh, being pleasantly surprised, but I'm glad he came back. I, I think that you know all the different names that were in the mix at the time. He was my candidate. He was my my choice as a Celtic fan. Um, and people might say, take the, the, the rose-tinted glasses off and all that. A lot of this is his doing. I get all that. Totally get it. But I also think that Brennan Rogers is the man to turn it around. Um, are you surprised, James, at just how short a leash he's on, though? No, I think you hit it pretty on the head there. When he came in, the fans were already sort of unhappy. When there's division amongst the support already, when you're appointed at Celtic, it's it's going to take a lot to get fans on side, just like there was confusion and hesitation when Ange first came in. But I think because Ange was hitting all the right notes and he was hitting all the correct buzzwords, fans were willing to give him more time despite some sort of poorer results. But with Brendan, there was already discontent there, so they're not really too happy. But I think a lot of it is a bit over the top. I think you've got to give it more time to really assess what's going on. I think a lot of fans have just been really confused. I mentioned that word already. I think confusion around what's really been going wrong at Celtic. I've been trying to put my finger on it on the blog and I've been struggling to do that just yet. Two sort of poor, shaky results in a row. And there was question marks around the opening two performances. Even though they were victories, fans still had some question marks over the actual performance levels of the park. And those alarm bells were sort of answered. And when we did lose that Kilmarnock game, and I had pinpointed on the blog that I thought the St. Johnson game on Saturday would be the game where you make the statement, you go, you put a few goals past them, you get the fans back on side, heading into the derby this weekend. But Celtic done sort of the exact opposite. It was tame, it was lifeless, and it's exactly what fans had been sort of melting down over since the start of the season. But I think you've got to give Rodgers a bit more time. I've done a blog. I'm not sure if I've posted it yet, um, but hopefully up pretty soon. Just on comparing this start of Brendan Rodgers' previous seasons at Celtic compared to now. And there's yeah. always been shaky results in there. 
I mean, the first result of Brendan Rodgers' invincible treble winning season was a 1-0 loss against Gibraltar side Lincoln Redimps, which Rodgers wasn't allowed to live that result down until about February or March. I remember every game on Sky, Celtic would play. Oh, we can't forget the first game of Brendan Rodgers' Celtic tenure was the loss to Lincoln Redimps. I think if you had a bingo card for commentary, that would definitely be on it. But Rodgers, the point I'm making is Rodgers has had bumps in the road in previous terms. Mm. Even falling on from that Lincoln Redimps result, we weren't convincing against, against the Stan and we all very much almost bottled it against Aquil Beersheva in the playoff. There's shaky moments, but once you can sort of ride the wave, then I think we should be good. But you need to give it a bit more time before you press the panic button. No, I, I, I would agree with that. You used the um, term buzz words and some of the words that have been coming out from Brendan since he came in, John, are things like success. He just basically said, I want to bring success to the football club. He spoke about adding quality to the squad. And then some of the early interviews, he was talking about adding aggression. That That's the thing, isn't it? Because you look at success, quality, aggression, success, we can't actually um, really gauge that thus far. Quality, have we brought in any quality since Brendan's came in? Aggression, did you see any aggression at the weekend, John? No. Uh, the thing is, I was told when Brendan came in, now I don't have, I'm not in the know or anything like that, but I, I do occasionally hear some things from uh, people who should know. Uh, and right back at the start, I was told that he was looking for two number eights. That was his first priority. One of his top priorities was, was to strengthen that midfield. Uh, and uh, we haven't seen really any sign of that yet. So um, it's surprising, to say the least, the, the situation we find ourselves in. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, you know, you could say surprising, you could say shambolic, um, because it, I mean, they have a couple of days here to pull something out the bag. To me, it doesn't look like there's anything particularly in the bag. Uh, uh, unless it's like a real CCV moment where we just didn't hear anything and all of a sudden he appears. But right now, uh, they have a lot of work to do and no time to do it in. And we are in a fairly dire position uh, in terms of squad quality. We've got more quantity than you could shake a stick at. Uh, And that's another area where we have been, I don't know how long we've been talking about this, you know, mm. I think I think we went through the entire squad. Me, yourself, and Patrick went through the entire squad. Uh, well, a couple of months ago, it feels like, um, yeah. and said, "Stay, go, or may." And then you come up with your list of ten, which you spoke about for like a couple of weeks. Uh, this was all ages ago. So there is so much dead wood and driftwood on in that squad. Uh, you could honestly, yeah, you, you could build a raft to escape a tropical island. You know, it is absolutely dreadful. Um, mm. So I, I don't know why these guys, well, look, okay, some of them can be excused. The James McCarthy's in a world, are on a long-term contract. You can't just punt these guys out the door. But the other boys, I mean, there's so many other guys there, and you really should be able to move them along. Um, and it's really frustrating to see that that hasn't happened because what you were thinking was that's not happening because there's so much happening with everyone coming in yeah right uh, and uh, but that's not what's been the case now I, I was looking there if we get 
if we get the, the two guys that are uh, uh, basically mooted as coming in at this point, so if we get Palmer and Bernardo and apparently a £1.5 million loan fee, our total gross expenditure, gross expenditure will be £20.5 million. Pounds. So yeah. we are, we are, according to what we were told Ange was getting, we are £35 million pounds off of what we were told. So Ange was supposed to be getting 30 We haven't even spent the money for uh, um, Jota. We are £35 million pounds away from where we should be. That is a vast, 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 vast gap. Uh, and the, I mean, Mark Lowell, uh, as I said last week, uh, if, if the... If it ends up this way, if the transfer window ends up the way it looks at the moment, Lowell, if he was anyone else, you know, would be screaming for his head. But there's no point screaming for his head because the answer to his da. So, you know, I, I, I don't know where that leaves us. We are so far away from where we need to be. And you know, nobody wants to panic just now because you can be made to look very foolish on the last day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it doesn't look likely at the moment, so I, I hope. I think we're all praying quite fervently, actually, that it goes the positive route. I think we're praying uh, that PSV do a job tonight. That uh, the Champions League is so 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 kind to us uh, tomorrow. <laughs> um, the transfer window throws up. Mark Lowell will be carried aloft around Celtic Park. Uh, and joyous victory for a, a transfer window for the ages uh, and then on Sunday uh, we pump the Orcs 3-0 uh, and, uh, you know that's a positive point of view so. Listen John, if that happens right, you don't even mind if it's Sorrow and a Yeti that's carrying Lowell around the, the park, they can come for a wander in Paradise Wears <laughs> on Monday morning if all that happens um, it, it shows you the two ends of the scale James, yesterday it was great to welcome back Kevin Graham, he's not been on Axon for a wee while, it was great to get his views on all things Celtic and his description in terms of what we had in the works was hee-haw I quote verbatim, he said we had hee-haw in the works. Um, and he did. He did back that up by saying, you know, within 30 minutes, so, you know, somebody will come in and sign for Celtic. But, you know, the, the, the transfer window, James, has changed dramatically over the years. I mean, back in the day, even if you're talking about the season we stopped at 10, there wasn't a transfer window. We, we brought in players like Paul Lambert and um, Harold Bratback during the season, you know, throughout the season, you were able to bring in players and all that kind of stuff. But now that there are transfer windows, it's almost turned it into some kind of marketing circus, like a PR social media circus. And in the back of your mind, you're kind of hoping that things are lined up and it's all strategic and all that. But I'm somewhere in the middle. I'm somewhere in the middle of hee-haw, which is on the Kevin Graham scale, to it being a PR absolute delight coming in the last few hours of the transfer window. I'm somewhere in the middle because I don't think it's either side of that. Where are you with this, James? Do you think we'll bring in... I mean, John's mentioned two two deals that might be in the works, one one of which, with the, in terms of uh, Palmer, looks as though it's at an advanced stage. There's also Van Hooydonk being mentioned. We'll be talking about him. Um, you know, there's suggestions, four players, five players. Do you honestly think we're going to bring that, that level of player into the club between now and the transfer window closing? The, the, we don't really need depth in the squad. I think there's just the sheer amount of injuries we've had 
has made the squad seem a lot more threadbare than it actually is. But the, the squad is too big, but there is quality needed in the first team department. I don't think we'd be looking at this transfer window so negatively if we had a fit Carter Vickers, Navrocchi and Rio Hitati available for selection right now. But Stephen McGowan outlined, I think it was last Friday, that Celtic were looking for a left-back, a centre-back, a winger and a striker. We've seen the striker links fall by the wayside. Palmer mm. looks like he's on his way. But centre-back, which is one I think we really need the most, even if it's just to carry us over until January time, we need options there because we have a Champions League group stage coming up and a trip to Ibrox this weekend and you've only got Liam Scales and Gustav Lagerbielke looking to be fit for the lion's share of those fixtures. And that's not going to be good enough for Celtic to get through those games with results that will fit the fans' expectations. So I think whether it's stopgap signings or not, you've got to bring some sort of options in as centre-back to flesh out the team. Because imagine if Liam Scales, who hasn't played much football in the last few months, it'll be very easy for him to pick up a knock. So if he gets injured, then what are you looking at? So I oh. think a centre-back is desperately needed. And the fact that we've not really seen much links, we're linked with that Leanso from... Southampton, he was photographed at a Qatari airport yesterday, so that doesn't look like it's going to be happening. And we're not linked with anybody else. It's the same at left-back, which a couple of people have headlined as a position we have to sign since even the start of the transfer window, but I didn't think Greg Taylor's form was going to fall off a cliff as much as it has. And Bernabe's attitude problems seem to be holding him back from being in consideration by Rodgers. But we're linked with Merlin from Nantes. I think it was... Yeah week or the week before and then there was no follow-up story on that so I, I don't know if those are two of the positions we're going to be looking at we don't seem to be doing much activity on it at the moment and if it is it's been held very under wraps very behind the scenes so if you think back to when we brought in Carter Vickers Yakimakis and Jota in which is probably one of the best deadline days Celtic have had in a long long time I don't think we found out about many of those moves until about two hours before they were completed. Um, if I remember correctly, I think they were pretty under wraps, apart from the Yakimakis deal, which kind of dragged on over the course of an entire month. But I think Celtic will have things going on behind the scenes. It seems like they're keeping things very much under wraps, and hopefully they can surprise us on deadline day with a window, a deadline day, much like the Jota Carter-Rickers and the Yakimakis one that I mentioned. We like trebles, and it would be nice to get a, a treble like that. I do remember Carter Vickers was mentioned early, early doors in that transfer window, and then nothing. It was just like tumbleweed for a long time, and then we bring him in on loan. And obviously, Bernardo that we're linked with at the moment, he cropped yeah. up around June time with no follow-up story, and then, boom, Celtic are very interested, talk to advancing fast, which they have to be at this stage of the window. No, they don't. I, I will talk about some of the latest transfer links. They might just be that. As I say, we, we spoke about Carter Vickers early in the transfer window when he signed, and then nothing until near the, the end, obviously, where it was confirmed. This might come to nothing. Bernardo van Hooydonk might come to nothing. I'm more concerned, I've got to say, actually, in relation to the, the third part of that tagline with, with O'Reilly, and we'll talk about him as well. What do you make of everything? Um, I'm also going to be discussing with the lads in relation to What's changed? Because we were doing transfers a lot sooner, although the argument might be we've already brought six in. And as John says, we're highlighting the, the issues due to the injury woes that we are facing at the moment. Ridiculizer, Sydney, 
there's only one Sydney, yeah. I don't know who you're referring to. Is it Sydney Devine? I'm not sure. Sydney Van Hoydonk. Van Hoydonk. Yeah, yeah. Van Hoydonk. Yeah, now, Pierre, obviously, came into the club. I remember it well. Uh, I remember back in those days, John, travelling through on Jockey Munion's Blair Hall bus from the Villages in Fife, and we didn't know who he was because you couldn't just pull your phone out your pocket and do your Google check and all this and do your show reels on YouTube. So we knew that the guy had a big name. He'd scored a few goals for a fairly provincial club in Holland at the time, Netherlands rather. And um, in he comes and he scored that night. He scored against Hearts in a 1-1 draw. It was during the Hamden season. Um, and the season after that, he scored over 30 goals for Celtic, which was just frightening. Um the, the kind of departure in the months leading up to his departure kind of soured his relationship with Celtic fans. I saw that when we announced the fact that we were doing a gig with him in October. Um, but in terms of Van Hoydonk, the first thing I think about is, um, you know, all those links to Jordan Larson. Remember, it was always going to be Jordan Larson to Celtic, seven Larson on the back of the jerseys. But you dig into Van Hoydonk. He's obviously he's a goal scorer. He's done really, really well recently. He's playing in uh, Serie A. He's 23 years of age. I don't know if his dad's his, his agent, but I remember his dad was uh, Nadir Chief Cheese agent, so he can't be any worse than him, John. Um, what do you make of these? What do you make of these links uh, to the likes of Van Hooyder? I do think we need a striker. Uh, well, I mean, it's just you don't know if there's any truth in them at all because it's such an easy, lazy thing to do. You just get the family name, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, stick it in there, and it's just. You know, Larson van Hoydonk, um, you know, Vata is actually a real thing, but I, you just, you know, just linking names. Who's which one of our ex players has a son who's playing now? Make an article out of it, you know, it's again, no, no nothing about the guy. But we need a striker, we need a midfielder, we need a center back, we need a left back, we need uh, who do we not need? And that's the point I was making last week, and we're still no further forward. Uh, so I, I, I. I mean, I'm at an absolute loss at the moment to see um, what they're at. Because I'm concerned about the fact that it's possible that Cal Mack, despite the fact he's been our most consistent player and been our best player year on year, I'm not sure he can play the role that um, Roger seems to want him to play in that system. He's just he's completely isolated uh, and he doesn't have... The size, the athleticism, the youth, the energy to be just hearing about box to box, battering, you know, that's not who he is. It's not the way he plays the game. And, you know, I I refuse to believe that his form has dropped off a cliff so precipitously that, you know, he's barely, he's done anything. He's been so ineffective in the last few games. I don't think that's down to his form. I think that's down to how he's being deployed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we've spoken about that before. So I'd be very concerned about the fact if you're going to carry on playing like that, then I don't think Cal Mack can play that role. I don't think he's going to be able to play that role. You know, so you either change the role or you're going to have to change the player. And they said, you know, as I said right at the beginning, he was supposed to be looking for multiple midfielders. That seemed to be his primary area of concern. And it is not turned out that way. Uh, so... I would agree. I, I think the midfield is a massive area of weakness for us potentially at, at the moment. Um, you know, because especially if you, we have been reduced now to thinking about 
are they good enough to win the league as opposed to make any sort of a dent in Europe? Which is the expectations we were given when we started. This is, yeah. Let's just be clear. We were told that this coming, he was coming back here uh, and we were going to have a go at Europe. We were going to set targets, set KPIs. There was going to be accountability. None of that. None of that. Now we're just absolutely struggling to get enough players through the door to make sure that we win the league. Um, so, you know, it, it's they have badly managed the expectations. Um, he shouldn't have been saying that stuff unless he was going to deliver on it. You know, uh, so, and now we'd be left in a situation where if we were to get in the Champions League with the team as it stands now today, we would be the weakest team in the Champions League and we we're going to be in serious, serious bother. Uh, so uh, we're looking at potentially humiliating results. Uh, never mind finishing third and you know get dropping into Europa where we could make a dent. We wouldn't be making a dent in there either, based on the way that we're playing today. So there's a lot of ifs ands and a faith being uh, put into the guys who told us that this would be different. That's what they said. This would be different. Is what is Brendan here for? If he's not here to make a dent in Europe, because I don't understand why he's come back. If he's mm. not here to make a dent in Europe, has he handed too much responsibility to Lowell because Brendan didn't have the knowledge that Ange had of a specific market? Brendan spent far too long in the most premium market in the world that we can never shop in. Even its lower divisions are too expensive for us. So why is he here? Because he can't be here for this window as it stands. No, well, it doesn't look like his window, John. That's the big thing, doesn't it? It doesn't look like he's Brendan Rogers has had the, the ownership of this window. Uh, there's yeah. a couple of things I want to ask uh, you, James. I agree with John. I don't think Cal uh, McGregor's had a good game this season as we sit here just now, right? Um, and I think there's a few reasons for it. I think the, the midfield, obviously, is uh, the shape of the midfield is different now. It's not been overloaded as it had been previously with inverted fullbacks. But if, for example, we were to revert to all that, what do you think Callum McGregor's best position is? Is he more effective as a six or an eight or even a ten? Because I don't think the ten's the question. Do you think he's more effective as a, a six or an eight, James? I think in the last... Sorry. Well, when Cal McGregor Celtic career, I think he played his best football in Ange's two seasons at Celtic, playing in, playing as that number six. And I think the best 15 minutes of football I've seen Cal McGregor play this season was the 15 minutes at Pataudry after Rio Hattati got subbed on at half time because mm -hmm. the energy was there in the midfield to help Cal McGregor out and sort of shoulder some of the response, the defensive responsibilities. Where I think at times McGregor he's looked rushed, he's looked stressed. He's looked harried by players who aren't of a similar quality to Cal McGregor. He needs players who can be in there and help him do the defensive work, which I've been mm -hmm. on the blog the last sort of week and a bit have been championing for Tomoki Iwata to get a chance in the midfield. I think the midfield is getting bypassed with ease. And if he can add some more steel to that midfield, it allows Celtic to be better in an attacking sense as well, which might not sound right because you're bringing a defensive midfielder. But it allows Celtic to retain possession a lot easier. You can't have Kamarnock just rob the ball off Cal McGregor and boost up the park and completely sort of get rid of Celtic's potential chance. If you've got a water, then he can cut them out before the attack actually gets going and allow Celtic to stay on the front foot, which is what we've been missing. And I think when Rio Hattati comes back at the team, you will see that benefit Cal McGregor a lot in the, in the long run. And I think... He's instinctively been looking back and hoping that the inverted fullbacks have still been there to help 
cover yeah. some of the defensive work as well. Because the amount of times he gets robbed and then they're running straight at Lager, Bielka and Navrocki straight away after they rob Cal McGregor. So I think Hattati coming back would benefit McGregor a lot. Just on the striker situation we're talking about there as well. I think the rumoured fee was four million. Then I saw talk of six million. I don't think Celtic need if Celtic are going to spend four million or six million on a position, they don't need to spend it on our striker, in my opinion. I think Kyogo and O are good enough strikers to play for Celtic. I think O has shown similar qualities to what Yakimak has had, just a bit more of a technical player. But I think what confused me was the fact that O chimed in and liked that Hak Zabanovic post. Does that perhaps tell us that Brendan Rodgers doesn't favour him as much as mm. sort of the fans do or as much as the fans perceived Rodgers would see O? But I think he's showed some good signs in his Celtic career. His goals-to-game ratio was... It was really good. I think he had it was averaging more than a goal every ninety minutes in that sort yeah. of first six months. And even in preseason, before he picked up the knock, he looked like he'd bulked up a bit more. He was doing a lot more of the defensive work against a good team and athletic club from Spain and James Forrest testimonial. I thought he was really putting himself about there and helping us win the ball back high up the field, which was creating a lot of chances for Celtic. I think having Owen Kyogo is a good enough options at striker for me. I think he'd be best served spending that money elsewhere, putting it towards getting a better left-back or even, as as John was mentioned, getting a stronger midfielder. Mm. You know, I'm looking at the... I agree with you with O. I think O is exactly where he should be, exactly where we would expect him to be in terms of his development since he signed for the club. I think his record last season, I know they go by minutes now when they look at data, but it was seven and three starts, something along those lines. He'd certainly made an impact. Um, and I don't, ex- I wouldn't have expected any more from him. Obviously, uh, you know, had he not been injured at this this stage of the season, and I, and I guess there's also an argument, James, to suggest that Maeda uh, looks like a better centre forward than than a left winger at the moment, especially if you look at the performances <laughs> over in Japan. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know that that's debatable. There was just that ninety minutes in Japan where he looked like the best striker ever. For some strange reason, he's come back. And he's hitting the Green Brigade now, with shots. Now he's trying to hit the Ryan Christie satellite. I know. Uh, he used to aim at. Yep, exactly. Um, so I, I get what you mean there with regards to the, the striker position. I just think we need to try and maybe utilise Kyogo a little bit differently than we have been doing so far. I think the, um, the Bernardo's an interesting one because if we bring in Paolo uh, Bernardo, he is far more uh, of the creative type, maybe an attacking central midfield player. Um, so you're looking at like him and thinking, way. what was that? He's, he's like a Matt O'Reilly. O'Reilly. Yeah. If it's any midfielders you compare to, it would definitely be Matt O'Reilly. Right. So that worries me on one on one hand. Um, we don't need another Matt O'Reilly. We've got Matt O'Reilly. Why do we need another Matt, Matt O'Reilly? Yeah, and obviously yeah. he's been linked now, John, to a couple of clubs in the south. It does concern me because I know that we were doing the business, you know, Callum McGregor on a long-term deal, Kyogo, Maeda, Stephen Welsh, they've all signed deals, and there's conversations and discussions ongoing with Hatati, Abada, and then O'Reilly gets thrown into the mix. This is a player, John, I think it'd be a disaster at this stage to lose somebody like Matt O'Reilly. Uh, they can't sell him. Uh, and so unless Matt O'Reilly turns around and says, I absolutely want out the door, and even then, they can't sell him. We cannot afford to lose anyone else in this window, full stop. Uh, and I don't care if he turns around and says, actually, I, I want to go. You said you can go in New Year, uh, you can go at the end of the summer, uh, but you're going to be going when we tell you, get your head down, 
play. So unless Matt O'Reilly's forcing, trying to force away, there's no way we can sell him. Uh, and I don't think even this board are tone deaf enough to attempt it uh, in the circumstances that we're currently in. Because uh, you're taking... A, a, you're basically taking... A, O'Reilly has effectively been our best player over the, night, the last number of games. Uh, certainly right up there. Uh, and, you know, to take him out of the mix, we're just... We're stripping all the quality away from the squad, and we're replacing mm-hmm. it with guys who have potential. But that's it. They have potential at the moment. They could be great. They could be the next best thing. Maybe next year, maybe the year after. Uh, you know, uh, we, we've seen for this play out before. You might get a few, a couple of them to deliver quickly. Uh, and it's shocking that we are, I, you know, so reliant on a couple of young guys to deliver immediately and it's shocking the fact that we are left in a situation here just now where we are seriously talking about guys getting signed on Friday probably getting to you know Ibrox five minutes before the game and playing I know that's what people you know but that's how desperate people are in the centre half situation that's how you know and People are seriously suggesting that. Someone said to me, did Mialbe not do that? I actually couldn't remember. But, you know, to have someone coming off the plane, not kicking a ball, not doing any training and going straight in uh, against our uh, biggest rivals, that's a situation that we should never have been in uh, and we still should never be in. And the difference between what has happened before, in my opinion, and what is happening now is all the same kind of um, transfers that we did early, we've done. They've already been done. Yeah. And they're the same type of transfers we were doing before. The difference was Ange had bankers. Ange had knowledge. He had guys who knew he going to hit the ground running. And even when we started to run out of those guys, he could still get so much credit from bringing them in in the first place, the Hitatis, the Kyogos, um, that people just ignored the fact that there was guys coming in, you know, they had the Gucci's, the Abelgars, all the rest of it, just in and out the door. Um, so, you know, we're, we're in a, a situation now where uh, it's so... With, sorry, it's just so frustrating. We've got very, very, very little time and we had mm-hmm. so much time. And, you know, that's what I say. The, the difference is, apparently, you know, apart from that, those, those leagues we were buying these guys from, and this is why it was done early, we were a step up. So we are a step up, we're perceived as a step up. So that gives us the advantage. Any league other than those leagues where we are not perceived as a step up, and especially in the top five leagues, or you know, like that, guys have loads of options, mm. you know, and they don't rate our league. So we are signing guys, no bother, you know, from leagues where we're perceived as a step up and we can give them bigger wages, give a decent signing on fee, anything else other than that. And we are back to the way things used to be, which is, you know, last day desperation, uh, because, you know, we either can't persuade can't persuade people to come here, or we're not prepared to pay the money that it takes. I know, and it's so frustrating, particularly when you were in a a situation coming into this transfer window where we were so strong. Paddy, every afternoon to you. I'm keen to get a few of the comments coming in. Celtic follower, afternoon all. I wonder why we are having long delays signing players and what's changed. Yeah, you do you do tend to worry, and um, as we've said before on a Celtic state of mind, whilst there's a lack of engagement or communication from the club, then there's, there appears to be a lack of transparency in that case. Then you start making up your own mind, John, and that's where you theorise 
and that's where the conspiracies come in and that's where the frustration starts to come in. Stephen Sloan, regular contributor, welcome back. Brendan Rogers, one, we need to strengthen from a position of strength. Have we done that? Two, I am here to make progress in Europe. John's already covered that one. Three, I want to add power to the side. Yeah, where's the aggression? And four, this team needs quality and match winners added. Yep, and you're shrugging your shoulders at the end of that, Stephen, because none of it seems to have been done. Double denim. Big afternoon to Axom and Fellow. By the way, thank you for uh, getting involved in the Sell the Jerseys initiative. Um, Double Denim and various others have sent jerseys, unbelievable bundle of jerseys now developing in the studio. Um, Some of them are already ready. They're signed. They're framed. Um, And it's just a case of raffling and auctioning them off to raise some much-needed funds for wee Jamie Tierney, um, who needs it for his treatment for uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And uh, some of the others are just Celtic jerseys, and we're going to get them signed and framed up. So thank you, everybody, for getting involved. More information underneath this video as well. What do you make of the transfer window so far? Let us know in the comments section. We're going to be talking about the Champions League um, potential draw, who you would like and all that kind of stuff before we turn our attentions to the Rangers game. As I know, James, you've been looking really closely at potential draws. Um, what's your take on it? Because I know in the past, you know, there was a bullishness about um, Ange Postecoglou and Callum McGregor who came out and said, I want Real Madrid. Well, you got Real Madrid. You you, you wanted the cream of the crop. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the draw at the moment. I'm looking at all the different pots, James, and I'm thinking, right, you're, you're basically looking for the weakest. You're not looking for, right, an away day you've never done or, or a glamour tie. I'm just thinking, who is, if there is such a thing, the weakest in each of the pots? So, James, you've been looking very closely at this. Um, what's your take on it? What, what do you think would be a good, in inverted commas, draw for Celtic? I think you can get rid of the glamour ties mentality immediately. I want the easiest route we can possibly get. And I've had a look at the pots as you've been mentioned the last few days. There was a wee website where you can simulate and see what draw you would get. And I got a very favourable one. So I'm hoping we get something similar in the actual draw. Pot one, you've got a lot of tough teams. You don't want Man City, you don't want PSG, but... I think Feyenoord's probably the team you want the most from pot one. Either Feyenoord, you don't want Sevilla. Despite them being bottom of the Spanish league, they're not. They're, they're so good in Europe. They always turn on in Europe. They were abysmal in the Spanish league last season. They still won the Europa League. So I'd say you probably want Feyenoord for pot one. Pot two, there's a lot of scary teams in there. Some terrifying mm-hmm. draws. If you get Man City in pot one and then Real Madrid in pot two, you're, I think I, I think I might just sleep. Might as well just not watch Celtic the Champions League this year. You, <laughs> what about our away day? What about that away day we were just planning, James? <laughs> I think I need to miss. I need to miss Madrid. So you'd want Feyenoord, Porto, two European final rematches as well. So you get a bit of history there as oh, well. I like that. I like that. Yep. Pot three. Most of the teams, dare I say, look pretty favourable, apart from AC Milan. I say you would take most of those teams apart from your Milan's or your Lazio's or maybe even Salzburg, they like to turn up in Europe. But if I was to say my dream draw, I'd go Feyenoord, Porto, then Red Star, Belgrade. That would be the team for the teams for me. Red Star, I know it would be a terrifying away day because just I think they beat Liverpool at their... Um, it was the season Liverpool won the Champions League. Red Star beat them in Belgrade. So it would be a tough away day for Celtic, but you'd feel comfortable you would get them at home 100%. Listen, I like the sound of that. Uh, I think when you asked me yesterday, I, I went for Feyenoord as well. I can't remember if I agreed with you on Porto. I was maybe 
fancy an Arsenal just because, you know, just to throw a bit of glamour into it, should know better. Um, I like the idea of going to Porto and getting revenge for that one. And um, yeah, Red Star Belgrade, I'm pretty sure that's who I mentioned as well yesterday. John, you had a look of it. Are you able to, you know, come from behind the couch to have a look at this draw? Who would you fancy? Uh, it's exactly what James said is who I would have taken. Uh, and I wasn't even thinking about the history of Feyenoord and Porto. Of course, that's actually mm. a good selling point. Uh, yeah. I, I was just looking for who looked to be the weakest. I was thinking Sevilla. Um, but, I, I know, I have to agree. Uh, nothing to stop us getting Rangers as well if they, if they were to get through, which is the nightmare scenario starting tonight. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I've got no interest whatsoever in a glamour tie. Couldn't care less at this point, especially the way things stand. Uh, it's very much give me uh, your tired, downtrodden masses uh, and we'll keep trodden on them. You know, that's, that's it's, uh, well, there's just, I, I know anyone who's got an injury crisis, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, what about them? Are they still? Because uh, they they had Mudrik, uh, and they sold him for a good few coins, but uh, he was mm. like they were a one man team. So are they still? You know, are they now a team without that one man, or have they spent all that money to strengthen? I'd be interested you, you, in that. Double over Shaq on the Champions League last season. If it wasn't for Mikhailo Mudrik, he put Josip Juranovic. I say it all the time. He got absolutely burned that entire group stage. Had some of the best wingers in Europe going out of him. I felt really bad for him. Yeah, don't yeah. don't talk. I mean, I, I spent the entire me and Kev. I, we spent the entire uh, the lead up to it and the post of it with arguing about the fact. That I said we need to man Mark Woodrick um, because uh, you know you watch the clips of them playing. I've never seen a team that looks so dependent on one guy. I said if we man Mark him, we win those games. Uh, knowing full well that Ange would never do that, but it would have worked. It definitely would have worked because you know we were a better team than them, other than him. You know, and he was different class. Although I think he's had a bit of a rough time since, hasn't he? One of one of Chelsea's many billion pound uh, rejects. Uh, although I'm saying that I don't know how they're doing at the moment because I don't pay any attention. <laughs> so, um, no. but yeah, no, I'll, I'll take I'll take the weakest group uh, the, uh, possible. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with that. Many many people in the comments are saying, you know, Celtic are the weakest team. Listen. The, the season will develop. Celtic are not going to be stuck in this bad patch for you know months on end. The, the injuries are going to clear up. You know, there's going to be a games in this Champions League campaign. I think going into it, we'll cover every single kick of the ball, obviously. Whereby you know, if the if the draws right, pre-match strange things can happen. You you watched the pre-match with me and Kevin McCluskey last season, and we thought we were going to beat Real Madrid at home. Lanky. Uh, give me Feyenoord, Inter and Real Sociedad. Uh, we've also got Pat Cattigan coming in. There is no easy route. Uh, absolutely. Um, There's no easy Tony, route. There's easier. The, the easiest, whatever the easiest is. Um, <laughs> There's no easy route, says Tony Daly. No, you're, you're spot on. And, and by the way, obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll cover all that as it happens over the, the Champions League draw as well. I was reading this morning, Bobby Lennox turns 80 today. Unbelievable servant for Celtic. I still find it bizarre that he was playing in the 1980 Scottish Cup final, you know, because you think to yourself, here's a guy who made his debut in the early 60s, right? I mean, he wore the Shamrock jersey, the, OAC, the Shamrock jersey. Yeah. And in his last game, 
Roy Aikens playing at centre half for Celtic. Yeah, it's just madness or centre mid. Absolutely and, and ridiculous. Ridiculous. Incredible, John. I, incredible. I, 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 and I hope I hope Bobby's uh, health is as well as can be expected at the moment. He's keeping well. Uh but what a what a player. What a mm. what a servant. Uh and um you know and not not just someone that was sort of hanging about the club. You know, he was contributing at the highest level all that time. Uh, really, absolutely remarkable. Remarkable. You know, covering sort of three decades, basically. I know. Uh, so, it is. Know, it's frightening. Yeah. So he played in the 60s, the 70s and the 80s. That is remarkable. And the, the thing with that is you uh, have moments in your life where you, you've got to pinch yourself. And meeting Bobby Lennox uh, was one of those moments. What was happening was um, there was a group actually within uh, the Salt Coast area who were, and I know I don't pronounce that properly, apologies to anyone listening in, if that's your home village or town, and they were doing the, the old fundraising to build a statue of Bobby, and um, they came onto the a Celtic State of Mind way back when we used to record in, in Stirling, the Tollbooth, and they never ever forgot that we were pushing their, their campaign, and we, you know, I got an invite to the unveiling, which was just unbelievable Unbelievable that day, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful statue. Uh, they really, really captured Bobby. Absolutely superb, and a legend of the club. Uh, and meeting him one time, where where he was talking to me about Neely Mockin, who was his his trainer, his kit man, and uh, I met him up at Hamden. Uh, just brilliant, absolutely superb. He actually brought Stevie Chalmers with him that day. Absolutely incredible, dreamlike experience for me uh, interviewing guys like that. Unbelievable. So a big happy birthday to Bobby Lennox. And interestingly enough, John, uh, you were pointing out earlier today, you sent me the wee screenshot, the Lions are still contributing, aren't they? Uh, yeah. So and not not for the first time I've seen this, actually. Um, I think it was because Galatasaray uh, qualified um, and they would otherwise have been three points above us. Uh, in the um, you know in the terms of distribution of funds, uh, but we are one point above them because we get four points for winning the uh, European Cup, uh, and that is not the first time that happened, and that is worth one point one seven million or something. I think it was Moravchik sixty seven who does all that brilliant work on Twitter, um, yes. and uh, it is so well over a million quid. Uh, and that's not the first time it's happened. He has put up similar things now over the last number of years. Um, so the Lions is still incredibly uh, bringing money into the club. It's, it's really it's, it's unbelievable. It's so, oh, many, it's so many years later. But, um, what a credit to them. I know. And you know when we do our Wander in Paradise every Monday morning, John, um, there's so much space around the stadium. You just think to yourself, I yeah. want murals of these guys up on the big breeze block walls. I want mere statues. I want all that stuff. Let's celebrate them um, and bring them would, to the attention of new generations. I'd, I'd say, Paul John, uh, uh, you know, importantly from your last Wander Around Paradise, I think you've done yourself out a job there, mate. You were... He was good. No, eh? He was good. Not the best idea to do it with an actor. Well, maybe <laughs> I'll be maybe I'll be walking backwards with the camera next week, John. <laughs> By the way, I did know I did notice their cars didn't have zoom past when they're driving down Janefield Street. Um, there was a couple of them that almost hit uh, the ball, Jerry. But yeah, it will be a great fun when other people like James McKenzie can join me on a Monday morning. I think Lawrence wants to come along and bring his big dog as well. 
Um, we'll see how that works out. Uh, we've got a few plans. It, it's great fun. But as I say, John, I just see a lot of grey. I see a lot of brick. And I think decorate it with the history of Celtic Football Club. Guys like uh, the we, we've, bomb. we've spoken about that before. Why not? I know. Why not? I mean, a lot of this stuff doesn't cost a ton of money. You know, no. you're not erecting full-sized statues of people. Just, you know, get the stadium kitted out. Um, you know, And again, we talked about them bringing the, the, the banners down that had the players on them and putting up the other stuff, which looks really now bland and corporate. And it's fine. It's grand. It's not terrible. But as you say, there's so much room and you could do so much with it. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a wee bit of in, invention, a wee bit of creativity, not a huge amount of investment. You know, you could get community projects in there. You, you, yeah, there there's a million and one things you could do with it. Yeah, and it's just, I mean, I don't think there's a manpower there to actually focus on something like that. But, you know, it, it really should be. I mean, that, that stadium, that whole surrounds that stadium should be an experience for anyone that's going to visit it. Um, you know, bits of it are great, bits of it are not, and it should be a great experience for anyone going to visit it. Uh, and currently, uh, it is not that. I agree with that. And the Celtic fan base is so creative as well that there'd be an amazing um, response to any call by the, the club to get involved. Uh, love it. Happy birthday, Bosbaum. What a player indeed. Pete McGee, um, Stevie Chalmers, unbelievable. Uh, such a humble guy. Uh, I just spent that wee bit of an afternoon with him. But interestingly enough, right, we, a couple of years ago, uh, managed to get our hands on a pair of Stevie's boots, right? And, you know, you hold them in your hands, you think, how many goals did these things score, right? But you know how you get these aficionados who can look at the label on a an Adidas jersey and tell you, oh, that's a 1973, blah, blah, blah. They're just encyclopedic, right? It's the same with the boots, because back then, Adidas... Were, were breaking into the, the footwear market and all that kind of stuff. They um, visually look like the same style of boot that Stevie wore in Lisbon. And as we know, the famous story goes, that was the first time that the players were wearing that type of Adidas boot because Adidas were sponsoring the players. I'm not sure of the fees. Was it 30 quid or something, John? The players were getting 30 quid to wear Adidas or something yeah. like that. And a few of the guys were like, Basically, their football boots were like a pair of old slippers to them. They didn't want to wear a shiny new pair of Adidas. So, Neely Mocking had to um, polish over Puma signs and get the old white paint out and pretend for the cameras. And I mean, Billy McNeil's walking out. You can see that Neely Mocking's painted three stripes on his Puma boots. Unbelievable. <laughs> and as the sun started yeah. to melt and all that kind of stuff, you know, the big Puma swoosh thing uh, started coming through. Anyway, there is a suggestion that they might just be the boots that Stevie wore. So I'm trying to get a few historians involved. They're going to have to start mm-hmm. looking. It would be the find of the century if they are. Um, where did the boots that Stevie wore in Lisbon? Unbelievable find, if indeed they were. But we will find out and we'll cover it on the channel. Listen, we've spoken all about transfer windows, um, ins and outs, because we don't want to lose O'Reilly. We've spoken about the Champions League. I think we're all a wee bit concerned about that at the moment. Let's talk about the Rangers game. And James, I'm just going to ask you straight off the bat, give me your, your start to loving and, and try and explain your rationale behind it. We're going there already. I should give me a bit of time to think about that. Well, there's Joe Hartnell, <laughs> Alistair, Alistair John, I would say Alistair Alistair Ralston, you play the two of them. Aye, absolutely. <laughs> Johnson right back. I guess you've got to go Scales and Lager, be able to get centre back. Taylor left back. The midfield... Hopefully, you would, you would have McGregor, O'Reilly, and either Holm or or, if, or Bernardo if Bernardo is signed. 
you'd have three, those three there. And then Abada, Yang, Kyogo. There's there's your front three. There's there's my team for for the derby. And I'm sure you listen, guys can take my immediate thoughts. Yeah, listen, I'm going I'm going to run through some of the the selections there because throwing that at you, you're thinking sitting there, James. You're thinking what? It's actually quite a difficult. It's a difficult selection, right? So the first thing I would ask is the central defensive partnership. You're picking skills because you're forced to, aren't you? I mean, I know I've I've pitched a couple of ideas. I don't think a water is an option at centre-half from what I've seen. And I know John pointed out just the other week there, he's played more games there than he has at centre-mid. I've never rated him at centre-half. I really, you know, when you think back to the Scottish Cup final, we were playing lower league opposition who this season have shown the lack of quality that they have actually got. Um, so you were getting to get away with that. If we were up against Rangers in the Cup final I, last last season, I'd have been petrified going into that game. Um John, what's your thoughts? Skills, centre-half, well, the, the, is, is the, the, needs must? No, not for me. Uh, so I asked on Twitter um, what people thought uh, because my thought was, and I know this won't happen, but it's what I would do. Uh, I would play Taylor, uh, Big Gus. I would play uh, Anthony Johnson. Anthony, Anthony Johnson? I'd play AJ uh, at... Uh, right centre half and I play Ralston so AJ has played on the right hand side of a three uh, so he, he obviously hasn't had experience in there but he's well well fit to play centre half um, and it means that we're not dropping massively in quality uh, as we potentially are with Scales who's a massive drop in quality and Awata who is uh, would be out of position for us and has shown that he'd pushed around however I gave the public the option uh, so uh, the, the four options we had were uh, Greg Taylor, uh, Big Gus, Scales and AJ, Greg Taylor, Gus, Awata and AJ, Greg Taylor, Gus, AJ and Ralston, Greg Taylor, Gus, Ralston and AJ, because I saw a big conversation happening about Ralston, Ralston playing at centre-half, uh, mm. which has made me think about the other one. So Ralston at centre-half has only got 6%. Uh, 16% of the people are correct. Uh, because they agree with me, uh, that that the niche amount who, who are also right. Uh, so they're the ones that have got AJ uh, at centre half and Ralston. The other two it is split absolutely evenly with over two thousand votes. It was going back and forward all day. It's probably still going now. Thirty nine percent each scales and a water uh, in terms of who stands in there. Uh, yeah. So. A lot of people, you know, in the same comments saying, oh, don't put scales in there and a wata will never do it. And But it's interesting that, you know, basically the majority of people uh, could not split them. Uh, for me, uh, scales, you know, from what you've seen, like even last week, from what you've seen there, um, uh, you know, I, if scales plays, I, I think it, it could be not a good score for us. I think he is a serious, serious weak link. I think we could be looking at the, the back end of a, a really not a poor, poor result uh, because, you know, I mean, bear in mind St. Johnson barely attacked and mm -hmm. the times that they barely attacked, they nearly scored. Uh, and under a different sort of pressure, you know, maybe with, with his back to the wall outside his box or something like that, then he's, you know... It would be different, um, 
but it will need to be different because if they're going to play him when it looks like they are, um, I mean, his step up is going to have to be massive um, because our, our defence, um, unless something happens and we do play someone straight off a plane, our defence at the moment is um, a massive just black hole. Uh, you know, there'll be... I think we're going to be in a lot of trouble if it plays that way. Uh, in terms of the midfield, uh, in terms of the rest of the team, actually, I'd pay a 4-2-3-1. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would want, just while uh, James was talking there, thanks for covering for me, James. Um, just while James was talking there, um, you know, because I'd been saying to people earlier on, I, I would want Awata inside McGregor. Yeah. Because Callum's, yeah. getting, Callum's getting overrun. Uh, and I think we need to play a 4-2-3-1. And I think we need someone with a physical presence. And what's a water the tank as they were calling him the other day, isn't it? Um, so uh, he is a he's a big laddie. He's got physical presence. He's got a good pass on him, uh, and we need him. I'd play then the, the the three in front of that: Abada, O'Reilly, and Yang, and mm. uh, Kyogo on his own up front. So four two three one. So for all intents and purposes, the midfield is fairly similar. Um, you know, um, but we, we, we've got the luxury of having a more solid defensive player in there because, uh, you know, we, we, we've got, I think, enough attacking options. I think Yang, everyone agrees, was the one bright spark uh, the other day. He looked tremendous. He looked like he's got a trick. Uh, he looked like he's got good space. Obviously, his finishing wasn't great, uh, but, I mean, I would seriously suggest if that boy could finish the way the rest of his game looks, uh, he wouldn't be anywhere near us. You know, <laughs> he'd be off to uh, a Premier League club. Uh, so we can work on that. Um, but uh, his chance creation was excellent. Uh, his mm-hmm. um, distribution was excellent. Um, I think Abada just because he has got the the sign over them, hasn't he? You know, so uh, especially if they play uh, Barisic um, at the. Uh, uh, left back because I think you know as, as we were saying all last season, you know Abada lives in Barisic's house because he still can't see him. Uh, so hopefully that may, turns out to be the case again, uh, and he'll go up front and not dropping back. So O'Reilly taking that almost ten rule, yeah, uh, and he'll go he'll go playing up front where he's supposed to play, uh, and not playing the false nine or almost as a ten. Um, because, you know, as, as we saw the other day, I mean, I think he had four or five touches. All of them were shots because uh, he, he, he wasn't in a position to do anything else. So that I would change. That's why I would change. Uh, and I know it's a bit radical, the centre-half pairing, but for me, that's the only one that makes sense. Do you think, uh, just from going over this, doing these team predictions, it makes me think, surely a centre-back has to be the priority signing then? If you're looking at Celtic over the next day and a half, if you could pick any position Celtic need to sign them, surely it has to be centre-back. Because going into that, it's a massive problem though, James, isn't it? Because essentially, who are you signing? You're either signing, as the boys have been suggesting, some jaded old lag, basically, who's up here for his last payday and you want him to come in and you know play a bit and, and then you know go away. If you you know, is he is he going to be anywhere near the quality if he's a guy that can come here for five minutes, play for six months, and then we're happy to leave, lose him? Because if it wasn't for the injury crisis, we've got far too many centre halves as it stands. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, we've seen two centre backs, but ended up with less. Yes, I know. I, I know it's, it's bizarre. 
And I, yeah. I don't know how to. I don't know how to. Uh, yeah, you can't. So I don't know how you solve that problem uh, without spending a lot of money that we can't afford on, you know, another quality centre half, and then we're going to have just this plethora of quality centre halves about two months down the line. But there's a strong argument in one respect because, you know, this season could run away from us in the next couple of months. You know, if if we're playing, um, you know, if if our centre half pairing is as weak as it looked the other day. Um, under no pressure at all, the season could run away from us. Um, so I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think we saying for me, we saying a quality centre half, and we just deal with the consequences in January. You know, well, John, my my take on that was, and I guess this is why I disagreed with Lawrence last week. My my take on is we get a loan to buy centre half. That, that's what we do, and I think Kobayashi and Skills. Um, will be out of the building, but we might be forced to, to keep scales um, insofar as he then becomes the only backup we've got until some of the injured guys come back. Um, but yeah, loan to buy, I think it would be the wisest move because, you know, you don't have to uh, buy him. You might then think Norovsky comes through, Gustav plays well, and you think, right, I've got my four or five, I don't need this guy. And you do a kind of Moritz, Moritz Jens on him and he goes back to his parents, parent that's club. The, that's the even if it's similar quality to Moritz Jens, who I didn't rate that highly, he can still yeah. sort of fill in in a league game or even a yeah. Champions League against a team like a Shakhtar Donetsk and put in a comfortable enough performance. Yeah. I don't think you can go out and get a Phil Jones. The guy that I've liked the look of was Axel Twanzebe, who used to play for Manchester United. He's a free agent, 25-year-old English defender, who I think if he's available for free, you, you've got to mm. maybe take a chance on that. And then if it doesn't work out, there's a surefire job at a lower Premier League team or a championship club just waiting for him. I don't think it has to be a, a Phil Jones type player, as I've seen people mention in the don't do that Celtic. Or even like a Cole Toure. You don't want a player like that, but I think the guy that I mentioned, Twanzebe, could come in and do the job. Yeah, but what age is Toure now? Toure is early 40s. He was the working manager last time I checked. Yeah, has Mialbi got a son, John? That's another question. Um, so I, I don't disagree with much of that, what you said. I, I think um, I like the idea of the, the defence because you can rely on, uh, you, you can rely on Taylor. He's just had a bad bit of form. I don't think he played particularly badly against St. Johnson. Ralston likes the, the combative side of the game. I think you're going to need that. I think AJ could, you know, fit in there as a centre and a half, no problem. And the, the big thing about um, Lagerbielk is he's not really got much credit, even though he's just kind of quietly slotted in and played a couple of decent performances. I think, did, did he get a six or a seven on the player ratings that we put out? So I think he's done all right as well. The midfield as well, for me, um, I've been banging on about a bit of I just think that David Turnbull is anonymous at times. Um, it would be bold, I think, to throw in home at this stage. I think a water goes in there, gives you a wee bit of assurance. Um, and then up top, Yang has played his way right into the thoughts of the gaffer, I'm pretty sure. Maeda's not as indispensable against Rangers on, on the forum that he's been shown. And I think a big part of that is the wingers are playing slightly differently. So, yeah, I don't disagree with your, your team, John. I've got to say, anything else, James, because you only gave us your defence, I think. Anything else you would agree or disagree with there? You've gone quiet. I don't know if you're. I went, I went, I went McGregor, O'Reilly, and then home. And then oh, and that's the, right. The front three are going to Bada, Yang, and uh, Kyogo. Yeah, there we go. 
Let us know in the comment section. Are we talking tripe? Let us know. Let us know what your team prediction is and also what your predictions are for the rest of the week. Uh, Bernardo and Van Hooydonk may just uh, be a tagline on an Axon podcast. Who knows? Or they might turn out to be Celtic players. We'll I'd find out in the fullness of time. All those signs I'd play Bernardo. Would you? Yeah, I was going to ask that because, you know, sometimes, I mean, Johnston makes his debut against Rangers, didn't he? Uh, last last season and he, he fitted in he just fit, fitted in um, sometimes you can throw them into an occasion that, that they've maybe not had time to get nervous about there you go you make your debut um, this time next week John it's going to be interesting isn't it uh, who knows when we are sliding doors yep sliding doors, doors closing doors who knows uh, listen really strong um, audience today 13, 1400 live all the way throughout that which is phenomenal thanks for your support and if you don't mind we've got a wee vote running at the moment where uh, we, we could well be in the running for a few awards and there is a link underneath the video feel free to go in and vote for a Celtic state of mind um, all that's left for me to say thank you to John and James for joining me on a Celtic state of mind Network.